Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey everyone, John Alba here, co-host of Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. And what I love about wrestling podcasts most is that there's so much variety out there. And that's why I want to tell you about the other podcast I host right here on Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows.com, The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Every single Friday, you can hear the future Hall of Famer, one half of the iconic Hardy Boys tag team, the broken and woken one himself, Mr. Matt Hardy, tell great stories from his three decades in the wrestling industry from a fairly unique perspective. Few people have gone through the personal and professional adversity in wrestling that Matt has and lived to tell the tale. But as our listeners know, he truly is stronger than death. The Extreme Life has been praised by fans and even some of the top wrestling talent in the world for its candidness, honesty, and transparency. Yeah, transparency in an industry that rarely allows for that. From the first tag team ladder match to tables, ladders, and chairs, Broken Matt and Beyond, The Extreme Life covers some of the most memorable moments from one of wrestling's greatest minds. So join Matt and I every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and at ExtremeHardy.com. Get rid of your credit card debt, get a lower monthly payment, and skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to save thousands with SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save right now at SaveWithConrad.com. How's it going, everyone? It's time for another edition of Strictly Business with Mr. Eric Bischoff. I, of course, am John Alba, joined as I am every single week by the man I just got to hang out with this past week in Baltimore, Maryland, Mr. Eric Bischoff. You've been on the road, my friend. Seems like you're home for a hot second. How have your travels been treating you? Uh, you know, I can't really complain. I'm not a big fan of traveling anymore, as anybody that listens to my podcast knows. But uh, I have to say the flights went smoothly. Good. So as far as traveling goes in 2023, it was probably as good as you can get. Heading back out. I had fun in Baltimore and uh, headed uh, right after I got back from Baltimore. I went to Providence, Rhode Island and East Greenwich, Rhode Island to yeah. the line side of brewing. Had a great Best Trivia Ever event. Shout out to besttriviaever.com, BTE.com. And they had, had a great team, a great turnout, had a blast. And now I'm, as we're recording this, I'm going to, Shortly after we're done, I'm going to pack up and head to New York. So, yeah, been busy. We had a blast at our Strictly Business 83 Weeks live show with MCW. Thank you to them for having us. How'd it feel to get in front of all those fans again this week, get to answer some great questions? I know you, you talked about this uh, at our live show, and I'd love for you to 
kind of divulge into it here. Just that unique connection you were able to form with fans when they tell you how much they appreciate your contributions to not just the industry, but to their lives as well. That's got to make you feel good, man. It will always, you know, I'm human. So that, that stuff affects me just like it, it would and should anybody. But I think, you know, the, the stories that I hear that touch me the most and I remember are the ones we had a, a, a young man that had, had issues and uh, ended up in treatment for a long time and got out. And during his treatment, it was, he had a mental issue and wrestling was the one thing that helped get him through it. And to hear those stories is just, I don't know. It makes you feel good on how it can. Absolutely. It was a great turnout. Go check out MCW and all the events they put on. We appreciate them for having us. We'll have to do some more live events in the future. On this week's episode of Strictly Business, we're going to have a special guest. But before we get to that, Eric, this was brought to my attention on social media today. And someone actually asked me to tee you up on it. I thought it would be a great discussion point. Ten years ago today, as we record this, July 28th, Total Divas premiered. And in my opinion, Eric, Total Divas totally changed the perception of women in the pro wrestling industry and created an entirely new crossover audience for WWE. I'd love your perspective. That's something we've never talked about here, but feels like one of the very few times that reality TV really, truly benefited wrestling in a very tangible way. Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I think it, it was uh, kind of a, a pivot point, I think, in, in terms of the way that the audience viewed um, women in professional wrestling, not so much with the, with the hardcore fans because they were already on board. Right. Uh, but I think what that show T total divas really did for WWE was reach an entirely different audience that perhaps didn't watch wrestling became so interested in the characters because in a reality format, when it's done well, and that one was, it was produced well, there's so much story and character that you get to know. That's what makes reality television work is when you get to know and feel like you identify uh, with certain individuals in the cast. Some of them you may love, some of them you may hate, some of them you feel are kind of like you in a way. That's the magic of reality television when it's done well. So you've got an audience of women, younger women, obviously, on that network, uh, the E-network, um, that were being exposed to something that they probably didn't know existed and found very interesting and most likely migrated over to, to some extent. And wrestling truly was just the backdrop to that show too, Eric. It was more or less the setting, whereas it was very character heavy and those drove the stories. Did you ever at any point throughout your TV production career ever consider pitching something like that where it's kind of periphery wrestling, not necessarily wrestling centric per se. Um, I, I guess there were several projects that came across our desk. Some of them we tried to de develop internally, others that were presented to us by other independent producers that wanted to collaborate with us. Uh, there, there were several, none of them that really stuck out in my mind is that I could point to one and, and break it down and talk about it. But that, I would say there were at least six or eight different versions of Total Divas uh, that made it. And that's usually the way TV works, right? You see something on television, it works, and everybody scrambles to come up with the version 2.0 or version 10.0, as the case may be. But uh, yeah, we, we saw a, a lot of different formats, but nothing that we could really sink our teeth into. It's just interesting because I look at the AW All Access show that Warner Brothers Discovery experimented with this year. 
And I was saying to myself, watching a couple of the episodes, that while it gave some cool access, I wasn't really sure what it was offering that hasn't been offered before in the space. And I feel like Total Divas really did offer something that was very different than what people were used to. Uh, why do you think, regard? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do you or do you not think uh, that shows like that all access, do they have a ceiling in terms of their limitations in their audience? You know, I'm not familiar with that show, but I can tell you any show that gives you a look into the, the inner workings of the backstage area uh, as the backdrop, it, it's tricky because you what makes reality shows work are conflict and drama or the drama that, that results of conflict. And you have to set certain situations up or put people in certain situations where, you know, you, you get to see a side of that personality and that character, that human, not necessarily the wrestling character, but the person you're watching on television, you see a part of them that you, you didn't know, or you, you never noticed before. Um, when you're in that backstage area, when you're actually producing a show, and we've had, a, I had a lot of those shows come my way when Jason and I were producing independently. But the problem with it is that back, it's a working environment back there. And there are certain things you don't want people to see. There's certain things that talent don't want people to see. And it's all going on in, in front of the cameras in one way, shape or form with the exception of maybe the restrooms and the locker rooms. But even then, um, I've <laughs> seen a lot, of, a lot of cameras in our, in locker rooms, but it's not a real setting. You're so right. you're not really serving you're not really, you're not serving the professional wrestling audience and you're not really serving the reality audience because you can't create the conflict and the drama in a backstage real life production environment, if that makes sense. Well, it was a show that Warner Brothers Discovery really tried to push hard in recent months. And with that in mind, I figured that we should bring in somebody who's pretty well versed with what's going on over at Warner Brothers Discovery right now and the relationship that they have with AEW. And he also has some knowledge of the general landscape with what's been going on with WWE as well. Uh, he's one of the premier podcasters in pro wrestling, and he's one of the most reliable sources of information for this particular topic. He is Andrew Zarian from the Matt Men. What's going on, Andrew? How you doing today, my man? Hey, John. Hey, Eric. What's going on? Uh, this is a blast for me. First of all, this is a personal treat. Eric, uh, this is this is the first gift my wife ever gave me when wow. we started dating. Uh, she went to Barnes and Noble and bought this book and it's become uh, she she actually read it after I had read it and became she loved it. So uh, this is a little treat for me. I told her I'm going on the show. and She's like, with the Eric Bischoff. I'm like, yeah, the <laughs> Eric Bischoff. I'm going on the show. And of course, she knows John. So uh, she's always a big fan of John. No, this is a pleasure. And uh it's been a wild, uh, wild couple of years for me when it comes to wrestling because this was not what I intended on doing in my life. Yeah. How so tell me what? And by the way, I love your studio, dude. You're making me look really, really cheap here and making John look even cheaper. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> we got to get him a new sign or something. But no, man, awesome look you got there. You tell me about your background. You know, John. John gave me a little bit of info, but for our listeners who don't know you or of you, what's, what is your I, background? I started off in technology. Uh, I was a tech podcaster for years and I saw podcasting and I saw how media was shifting. So I started something small with my friends called the guys from Queens Network. Uh, just it was a small time podcast with a couple stand up comics from New York and it, it grew. It, it, it shockingly became a thing. And we started 
getting significant coverage and people were you know watching and this is back in 2008 9 10 11 uh, and we got a couple advertisers and it became a business for me for for a number of years and I slowly transitioned into uh, consulting and building sets like this and helping people out with their setups and then that that somehow led me into the nightlife hospitality industry in New York City and I have a number of clients here that I that I you know help guide their businesses and their marketing and how their sales teams are doing and what they could do to kind of improve post pandemic. Uh, I, I'm really all over the place uh, with that. I'm in the hair hair industry in in some weird capacity. I work with hair loss doctors, hair transplant doctors to set up you know their marketing and and their uh, their studio setups. A lot of them are doing podcasting. So a little bit of a uh, just things that I really enjoy. Uh, and wrestling is one of that, and media is one of those. And and I, I think all the different odds and ends jobs that I've had and career paths, it's kind of led me into knowing a lot of people that are now in key positions in, in media and in, in all different types of, uh, you know, categories that, that help me day to day with, with my businesses. Outstanding. How long I have you been a wrestling fan? Oh, my whole life since I was, uh, probably four, five, my dad would take me to the garden with his, with my uncle and, we go to all those garden shows and it just, it's something that I was never able to let go of in my life. You know, a lot of people transition out of it. You know, you watch it, you're a kid, you're watching the ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan, and then you never get back into it. I just consistently stayed watching, uh, you know, throughout 96, 97. And it really, uh, it's, it, it became not an obsession. You know, it was always been a, like a thing that I've enjoyed watching. And I never, I was talking to John about that. I never thought I would be talking about wrestling on the internet. You know, it's not something I ever seeked and still it's just, I enjoy it. This is like my therapy that I'm able to do this. And I think that's some of the success comes from no pressure because I don't really do it for a career path. I do it because a, I see a lot of nonsense out there that I think it needs to be uh, corrected, especially when it comes to media and sales and how ratings work and TV uh, and a lot of it is just my personal therapy. This is a release for me and it's great. I, I love it. I told you, Eric, you and Andrew are cut from the same cloth and I think you're going to grow to like him quite a bit over the course of this. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, like he said, he's very much embedded in the New York nightlife scene and he's made a lot of contacts through it. And somehow, some way, as you said, you have found yourself here on the front lines of media reporting somehow with aw warner a little bit of the wwe stuff as well what has been the most surprising development for you in that arena andrew over the course of the last year um how fast everything is changing for linear um and a lot of the insight that i've learned it's it's very unique it's a very unique perspective you know i'm lucky that i have I've made friends over the years, and a lot of these friends are now in key positions in certain places. And talking to them, their perspective of wrestling is so different than the perspective of, you know, uh, just really P1 level fans. You know, that the the hardcore of the fan base. It's a very different perspective, and and it's and also on top of that, having two young kids, six and seven years old, that are now getting into wrestling, seeing their perspective and their friends' perspective really gives me a different type of insight than what I personally like to watch. Uh, it's not I, when I cover wrestling, obviously, I talk about the things that I love and I that 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 that, you know, pop for me uh, as far as watching TV and seeing my eyes lighting up. But it's very different than what the overall fan base wants or or the overall viewership wants. And it's been an interesting insight of kind of seeing balance between, you know, 
what the fans like, what the networks are looking for, what the sales teams are looking for, what marketing wants to do. It's all different perspectives, and it gives a very unique outlook that is not on the internet. You don't get to see it on Twitter. People aren't talking about, well, this one should go over in a match because the marketing behind him is going to be elevating him. You know, these are these are very different perspectives. And when you kind of see that, it, it changes the whole way you view wrestling as an industry. Can you give me, and I know you just gave me a little bit of an example there, but could you pick out of all the misconceptions that the wrestling fandom um, in, in the internet wrestling universe have a professional wrestling and where the business is. If there's one thing that you could say is the biggest misconception, what would that be? Um, the the hyper-focus on ratings week over week is one that's uh, very obsessive by the fans, but most people on the network sides really don't understand. Um, a lot of times these people in, in, that are that are you know making decisions, they're not they're not the biggest wrestling fans. So you're getting a a very different perspective on how they're selling it. Uh, one would be, you know, uh, with AEW, for example, right? And and you brought up something interesting. One of your podcasts, Eric, you, you said um, at the time of like all the turmoil in WCW, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to single out anybody, obviously, but you said false reporting really played a part in the perspective of what the product was, what WCW was, some positive, some negative, but a lot of the things that people are dwelling over on the internet, it does play a part in decision-making when you're not a wrestling fan. And I don't think the Twitter verse, you know, kind of sees that. I think they, they think it's in a very bubbled way. And, and when I, let's say when I cover wrestling, I really don't cover it as far as, you know, uh, the nitty, like the, the small minute details that people obsess over. I look at it as a whole and overall business. I think, you know, the, the, the length of the match is not something that is really discussed or the foot movement or, or the quality of a five-star match. These are not things that anybody at these networks are ever mentioning. If that helps. <laughs> if, that, if that answered your no, question. Absolutely. And it's fascinating because on one hand, you would think, okay, there's going to be some people at the network level who are embedded in the programming. But on the other side of it, the decision makers, I'd imagine, look at it from a much more macro perspective in regards specifically, in this case, Warner Brothers Discovery and AEW. What have you noticed out of the growth of the relationship between those two entities, uh, especially in the last six months or so, as we've seen the addition of Collision and the reality show? What is your read on the relationship between the two entities? I think there's there's a major commitment there uh, on the Warner side to get a second show. Uh, you know, you're you're doing five hours of content now weekly on, on a Turner property. There's a lot of commitment there. There's this confidence in there, and it just it's the landscape of of television. You know, linear TV is slowly. It's going to take a while to get phased out, but when you're looking at a, a rating of eight hundred and ninety three thousand viewers on TN on, on TBS. Uh, you know, it kind of gives you the perspective and they're still number one or two for the night. It tells you that the landscape has totally changed and uh, people's viewing habits are totally all over the place. You're not just competing with WWE. And, and I think that from the conversations I've had, you know, over dinner and a couple of drinks has always been this. We don't look at AEW is not competing with WWE directly. They're competing with everything. So when we look at programming in general, what's going to get you away from TikTok? For that 30 minutes or an hour or two hours what's going to get you away from you know a youtube video recapping a video game and, and that those are things that are always discussed 
And the reality is one of the only few things that could do it is live television, especially live sports. So the concentration on live sports is is far greater now because of the depletion in viewership overall. You know, cable numbers are dropping yearly. Satellite numbers are dropping yearly. But where are they going? They're still consuming sports. Interesting. Do you ever get a chance to talk? You, you, you said something in the very beginning, you know, you get the, a chance to meet people and in positions of influence within the media industry, one of the things that uh, comes up often in discussions about WWE, AEW, or just wrestling in general on television is ad sales. When I was active in the business, um, particularly up to even after I got out of the business, I was producing reality shows that were themed around wrestling, like Hogan's uh, Hulk Hogan's Celebrity Championship Wrestling, for example. You know, you you meet with ad salespeople as a producer, independent producer. You know, the ad sales division of a network, cable or otherwise, has a lot of influence over the content that's played. And for the most part, not all all the time, but for the most part, when I was active in the industry, the ad sales component of any network really didn't want to have a conversation about wrestling. It was hard for them to sell. They had too many clients that weren't comfortable in wrestling. Has that changed, do you know? Or is, is the feeling different today than maybe what I experienced? Yeah, uh, it, it's funny. I spoke to John about this. Uh, we, we went out for dinner. We went to Mastro's for dinner a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about this. Uh, the Like exactly what you said, the ad sales team is make or break for any TV show. You know, if, you know, Howard Stern is a great example. If Howard Stern, uh, if, they're at, if they're at sales team at K-Rock or, or the national sales team, didn't like him or didn't like the show it would be over done it doesn't matter if you're getting the viewers if you can't sell the show you can't sell it uh i i, I know that a lot of the people now in those ad sales positions grew up watching wrestling uh a couple of people that i know at warner discovery uh it, it they they are very positive thinking and the same goes for nbcu I, I don't really have the relationship on the fox side as much but on the nbcu side they're very committed to selling it because i i think a lot of them understand it a little bit better than it, they you know people that never grew up on the product so it is changing not not to say that it's not an easy you know it's not a, a difficult task to sell wrestling uh you know i know that there were some conversations uh with AEW ad sales in december of 2021 right before the merger or right before the the, the, the teams kind of combined they were struggling at some points and the same goes for wwe also you know it depends on the season and if things are good, if it's a network buy, I mean, Eric, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of, hey, listen, it's a $36,000 read. But if you if you give us $37,000, we'll also put you on this show. And now all of a sudden, the allocation of the money looks better than it actually is. Um, but as far as I know, uh, it, it's on the Warner side, they're very positive about selling that show. Uh, I, and that is that is I don't know if that's a discovery change or not or because i know all the teams change you know people moved around sure. but on the warner media side I, I i do know that from the people that i speak to there it's positive and the nbcu side too for wwe i mean right now how could you not want to sell wwe ads you know so why do you product. think it's positive from the warner end with AEW? um i think because i'm gonna be i think because they got people on that team that are more willing to sell wrestling ads. I, I think there it's a little bit more organized as far as it might, it might've been 18 months ago or whatever the case was. I think they just have a better team at this point. 
Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here, and I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout, because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of Making the Town, Lou Meany takes us through the memorable matches and moments of the famed ECW arena, including one that was never seen. Something very special happened after the power went off. Uh, Paul Heyman went out into the ring and spoke to the crowd without a microphone. And the crowd just stayed quiet and listened. And he gave the most heartfelt thank you to that crowd that night. And uh, the biggest shame of it is there's no footage of it because the power went out. On an all-new Tuesday with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan talks about what some of the greatest factions of all time have in common. Four horsemen, four guys, mm. when they're at the strongest. NWO, four guys when they're at the strongest. And then Bloodline, four guys. But they also had a manager, each one of them. JJ, Eric, and Paul E. That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you. With four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Looking for a great Mother's Day or Father's Day gift idea? I was, and I found it at Paint Your Life. With Paint Your Life, you'll get a hand-painted portrait created to fit almost any budget, and it's a great gift idea for your mother, your father, or both. You say Paint Your Life transforms your photos into a -a one-of-a-kind, beautiful, hand-painted portrait created by professional artists. You upload anything you can imagine. You can even combine photos. You'll pick the artist, the medium. You can even customize the frame. And you can receive your painting in as little as two weeks. You can give the most meaningful gift you've ever given at PaintYourLife.com. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word WEEKS to 87204. That's WEEKS to 87204. Text WEEKS to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. I want to ask you a more uh, a general question about Warner and Discovery. One of the things when I worked at Turner, like a lot of people that had never experienced a merger before, we believed all the hype. You know, I I, I was I famously was well, infamously I guess I was at a Christmas uh, Christmas party with Ted Turner and Joe Levin, Terry McGurk, Scott Sasso. It was a it was a Turner party, but it was very small, and it was at Terry McGurk's house. And I'll never forget, I was so naive and excited, this big merger, and Gerald Levin got up and he said, you know, this is such an amazing opportunity for everybody because we're going to take the entrepreneurial DNA of Turner Broadcasting. And Ted was very, very entrepreneurial. I mean, he, he broke the mold. 
And we're going to combine it with this powerhouse of the media industry and, and Time Warner and combined, it's going to be the best of both worlds. And I, I'm nodding my head like a freaking bobblehead, you know, Yay, dead, cheers, dead, cheers, <laughs> cheers, Gerald, you know, very, very excited. And shortly after that, that Christmas party, an executive that had been through mergers before said, Eric, everything's going to be fine for a year maybe a little longer. You're not going to see any real change culturally. Um, you'll see some, you know, structural things shift around, but the culture Turner is going to stay Turner for about a year, year and a half. And then it's all going to start to change. And I went, well, that's a negative way of looking at this, but okay. Noted. And he was right on the money. It was like clockwork. All of a sudden the, the, the executives that I knew that were very entrepreneurial I'm not going to name names because I don't want to come off negative, but people that I was close to friendly with, and, and we're very, very high up in the Turner food chain because those executives, you know, leadership and, and the tone culturally kind of comes down from the top. And Ted was such a renegade and such an entrepreneur. And that just kind of that culture filtered down. And then all of a sudden one day, those same guys that I knew that would show up on Fridays, you know, wearing jeans and a nice dress shirt and drive in with the top down, pretty relaxed all of a sudden, they show up wearing blue suits, white shirts, red ties, and wingtip shoes. They, the culture shifted from what it was in Turner Broadcasting to that of something that didn't look at all like Turner Broadcasting. It was more like working for a hedge fund or a bank. It was a completely different cultural shift. With that long-winded backdrop, are you seeing or sensing a shift in the culture that is what now Warner discovery. Yeah. I, I think for the people that are there, uh, it, it, you're seeing exactly what you're describing and it's all a media, right? All media, all sales, all the banking right now, especially in New York, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you're absolutely right. Blue jeans and a t-shirt. You're going into work two, three days a week and you're working remote. Now all these guys are working. They're going back to work because they're feeling the pressure of performance uh, the, the guys that I know, uh, the handful of guys that they're, they're, they're top notch, pe top notch people. And that they're always operating at that level. But that is the conversation that, listen, those guys that are working remote and don't want to come into the office and you don't really get FaceTime with, uh, it's going to be really difficult for those guys. And those are the ones that will probably go off and, and not work in that company. Um, the merger was not easy. I mean, it's never easy. A lot of redundancies in departments and they downsized a lot of people, but the people that are there, I mean, I, I think they have a, they have a really, really strong team. As far as I know, you know, from the sales side and from the marketing side, uh, it's a really strong team that, that gets it. Um, but Eric, when you were there, did it last a year? Would, did it actually take a year for everybody to kind of tighten up? Oh yeah. It, it was about a year and a half. That's, that's when you just noticed just the vibe. Yeah everybody's walking on eggshells. There was a lot of pressure. And that's when you started seeing a lot more significant structural changes and departments disappearing and offices being combined and things like that. And that, that made people feel uneasy. And that's when yeah. I first started noticing the cultural difference. Once people started feeling uneasy and less secure in their positions, they naturally kind of became their counterparts in Time Warner because that's that's who was making the decisions. You know, it's interesting because the people that I speak to there, um, they they very much talk about AEW as if it's it's very embedded in the Turner 
you know, business model at this point, like for TBS and TNT. They, 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 they're very possessive of it when, when the conversations are happening. You know, I've, I've talked to people at NBC about WWE and it doesn't really, I don't get that same feeling. Uh, with the w, with WWE on NBC on on USA or Fox, um, it, it this is a very different, uh, more hands involved type, and uh, I I find that very interesting. You know, like talking to people on the marketing side of USA for WWE. You know, when they're putting a calendar together and they're saying, okay, there's going to be NASCAR inter- integration because we got NASCAR, we got uh, whatever integration. You know, we're going to try to involve in. It's a very different, uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what we pitch to them. They're, they're okay with this. This is the execution date. On the Warner side, it's very different. Like, I'm not saying this is the case. And this could be, a, listen, this is a positive, right? You want people on your team that treat it as if it's theirs. But they treat it as, as if it's theirs. And, and I, find that inter- I find that different. I find that a very different way from from talking to people in, in all different types of media i don't I, I haven't ever spoken to a marketing team or a sales team that that acts as if you know this is this is our property well andrew something that eric has mentioned in recent weeks he's even posed the possibility of it is that warner brothers discovery may have some sort of ownership stake in aw do you believe that that is something that may be plausible at this juncture i wouldn't be surprised you know, it, it, it I, I really wouldn't. It would, you know, things that, that I've heard would make sense. I don't, I don't know for sure, obviously. Uh, if I did, I would say like, hey, yeah, they have, you know, X amount of percent. They have 30%. They have 10%. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it is, I mean, it, it's very possible. And I don't know if that's a positive or negative if, if they are, you know, if they have a piece of it. Does that, does that change the direction of the company, the philosophy of the company? Does it affect your ad sales better or worse? I don't know. I would say, and I'm guessing here too, I don't know either. I I strongly suspect based on conversations I've had with certain individuals, but I don't know for sure. Um, but I think it would be a positive. I mean, when you've got a long-term relationship with your network partner and they're looking at your property as partially theirs, they're going to care a lot more. They're going to promote a lot more. The downside is, and it's something that just needs to be managed, like any other business, you have to manage your client, service your client, is that you'll have people want with an opinion um, that'll want to get a little bit more involved necessarily than perhaps you would like them to, but they've got a stake. It, it's, it, it's something that has to be managed, but the upside of it far outweighs the downside. And we saw the differences too, Andrew, two years ago the upfronts with Warner Brothers Discovery where AEW is positioned on that versus this past year's upfronts where AEW is focused right there alongside every other major Warner sports property. Yeah. How do you think internally based on your conversations, Warner views AEW as a property? Does it fall into that sports realm? And what about it is so appealing for them in terms of investment? I think it's, it's unique first run programming that, that is sport centric i guess shifts to sports um you know wrestling is a very unique property and and the history of wrestling it's always shown that it draws people it could draw viewers you know when 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 i mean you go back when when people were saying you know impact wrestling tna wrestling nobody's watching it they were still getting over a million people watching it you know and and they they were behind wwe so if you could draw a million people to watch a product obviously there's going to be some interest there um 
I, I, it is, it is interesting how like they go back and forth though, right? Because they, they are sports, but they're not sports, but they're more treated as if it's sports. Uh, I, I think some people within Turner treat it as sports, but I don't think they sell their ad revenue like it's a sports property. I mean, just that based would be on that would I be that would be the I would have a hard time believing as a person that's been involved in sales in one way, shape, or form all my life, really. Um, I, I would have a hard time thinking that anybody would, is going to go into a pitch if you work for Warner Ad Sales trying to convince someone that professional wrestling is sports. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. But it is live action, and live action is a word you see it used often in sh- shows like the American Gladiator type shows. Phys- you know, Dwayne you know, Johnson had one on NBC, for, I think it was on NBC for a while. You know, those soaps of very athletic, you know, ninja wars or whatever that, whatever that ninja show was for a while. Those are sold as live action because live action is unique enough and is close enough to sports, I think, insofar as the way it attracts an audience that maybe scripted programming might not. Um, but I can't believe anybody's like, no, no, this is really just like tennis. It's just like football, really. I, I don't yeah, see I, th- I think that's a that's a very difficult uh pitch for the sales team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, the NBA, you're doing great numbers on the NBA. There's about 14 million people that are watching. And we also have this other thing, wrestling. Have you ever heard of it? You know, <laughs> hey, I, I want to ask you another question and I'll turn yeah. it back over to John because I'm bogey in this segment here. But um have you ever heard the rumor that Warner Discovery was in on the bid for WWE? I was just gonna ask him that, Eric. There you I, go. I they I heard that, but nobody ever told me yes. <laughs> nobody, I mean, I, I've asked obviously, you know, but nobody. It, it was it was downplayed from day one to me. So, uh, th- and that's a unique, that's a very unique thing, right? You got the number one property available. Do you put your eggs in that basket? You know, how does that shift for you? How does that change for you? Obviously, it would it would be over for AEW on there. There would be exclusivity, but. Uh, I, I never heard it coming from any anybody that I talked to. Fair I was enough. just going to ask you about that because imagine this empire of pro wrestling ending up on one network and <laughs> what we'd be looking at right now with WWE and AEW potentially on the same network. So do you see long-term, I'll just, I'll say the word redundantly here, longevity. Do you see longevity for AEW within the Warner Brothers Discovery world, a relationship that will last far beyond where it is right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm, I think I'm. It's pretty uh, easy and confident to say that they're going to get re-upped. You know, they're going to get re-signed. It's signed to a a bigger deal. I don't know what it's going to be if it's a billion dollars. Uh, you know, that billion dollars. I don't know if that's that's an accurate number. I never heard it from anybody. Nobody ever. I mean, they they. Everybody hears the same things, right? But does it make sense a billion dollars for two for four hours, five hours of content a week over a five year deal? Maybe, you know. But you also you don't want to be a loss leader forever. You gotta you gotta sell ads. So I don't know their exact ad revenue, uh, but that's a lot of money for for something you're not confident in. So I I think you know all the indication getting that other show. Uh, still having Rampage on, uh, it shows that there's there's a long term commitment here. And then some of the rumblings about you know what happens with 
pay-per-view distribution over the years. Uh, you know, they want to add more shows, 10 to 12 shows a, a year. You know, where do you put that? Can you charge $50? So these are all conversations that are happening right now. They don't really, they don't have the answer. Like we don't even know the all in situation, right? They got two pay-per-views back to back week after week. AW pitched to do a bundle and there's still, I haven't heard that there was a response to that. There's a conclusion to that yet. So a lot of these things are shifting. I think they're they're adapting as they go along. But yeah, I think they at least for the next five years is going to be a, a major commitment from from you know Warner Media unless something happens. There's a travesty. You know, they, the the other shoe could drop, the other foot could drop, and your ratings could tank, and now you become a cold product. And obviously, there's not going to be a major commitment after that once you're dead in the water. So I think for now they're very happy with the results they're getting. You know, the even even the six hundred and fourteen thousand that they're getting on Saturday. It's been positive. Now, I don't know if they're going to openly start trashing the product to me. I haven't had that happen yet. But <laughs> as far as I know, it, it's it's always positive. They're very happy about having having this property on with them. I, I was going to ask news. you. I was going to yeah. ask you about the pay per view distribution thing. There, that's a mess. <laughs> you, <laughs> that's a disaster. Okay, well, let's talk about that. You mentioned we we talked about a few weeks ago on this very program uh, the Sean Ross Sapp report that Warner was pushing AW to potentially expand its pay-per-view programming up to 12 a year, if not more than that. Have you sensed that that is a, a credible report and that there is an internal push from Warner to expand AW programming? And what platform does that land on? Max seems not to be an option at this juncture. Yeah, Max is not an option because they don't have the technology integrated to do pay-per-views. Uh, Showtime Boxing, for example, right? Showtime has the same exact problem where... If you have a Showtime account and you're a Showtime subscriber, there's no place on that whatever portal you're using to log in and buy a pay-per-view. It's a separate purchase. Uh, so it's a technology problem. Uh, BR has it and, and Max doesn't. I don't know. They, they want to integrate it. They don't want BR continuing, obviously. It's a useless product for them. So uh, it, it really comes down to the technology of it. But they, I Sean's report is accurate they they are going to do way more pay-per-views but they have been also you know this is you're you're doing they're doing with a six seven eight pay-per-views right now uh adding a couple more is not bad i mean tony said right uh in the history of business has, has it ever been a bad decision to add more pay-per-views and generate more money no it's not and if they could get one hundred and twenty thousand people that purchase these pay-per-views every month that's that's significant yeah, the yeah, only the only downside to to promoting more pay per views is if you don't have the creative horsepower or the talent roster um, to support yeah. it because it's a, it's a lot of pressure and you're, you're t you you have to tell your stories a lot differently as you you know in WCW when I took over we only had four pay per views a year but pay per view was the only place we could make any money so I bumped it to six and I went wow that works really good let's do <laughs> seven and then it became eight nine ten twelve WWE followed suit. <clears throat> but it forces you to change your creative and it forces you to change the, the trajectory of your stories and your characters to accommodate 12 pay-per-views a year. It's like a book. You know, if, if you've got 12 chapters in a book versus four chapters in a book, well, the chapters are going to be a lot thicker because you have more time. There's going to be more yeah. content in those chapters. because You have more time to tell that story. But if you've got 12 chapters in that book, then, Every every chapter has to end with a with a result with a result that leads you to the next chapter. That just becomes pressure creatively, and they certainly do have the talent. So I don't think that'll ever be an issue. 
you also have to you also have to consider what is the 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 price point your your audience is willing to pay every month right and this is something that's changed wwe changed that for pro wrestling wwe can't go back and charge you 50 dollars a month for a regular pay-per-view and 79 dollars for you know the big four it's now all all absorbed into peacock so if their plan is to do 12 pay-per-views a, a year is that are you bundling that somehow in an H in a max package? Is that going to be a BR package for the year? I can't imagine it's going to be easy to con to convince your audience in 2023 to pay six hundred dollars a year for 12 shows. You know, you can maybe <laughs> with know UFC. You're right on about that. With UFC, you can because the, it's it's a different it's a very different product. There's mainstream crossover. It's not as niche as wrestling, but they never broke. And you that can mold. bet on it. And you could bet on it. You never broke that. You never changed the model. They stayed even with the UFC app and, and they, they went to ESPN Plus. You still got to pay for it. So uh, it's, it's a big ask. It's a really big ask. And we're seeing that response right now uh, by, by people online. You know, what are you going to charge us twice for yeah. a show one week after another? I think the reality is, yeah, they, they're going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to bundle this in some way or. I, I don't know if I don't I'd love to know your thought, Eric. Do you do you think they should do all in for free? I would. You would. I would. Let me let me rephrase it. I'm going to take that back. If there's a long term plan. I think all in for free is going to expose the product in a positive way to a much bigger audience that in the long term will benefit you. In the short term, you're going to take a hit versus what you could have made, right, in a pay-per-view. But giving it away for free, it's you're going to build a great relationship with your audience because you're over-delivering. You're establishing your product and your brand in, in the most positive way possible. Um, there's all kinds of reasons why in the long term, I think that would be a great idea. In the short term, maybe not from a financial perspective, but it doesn't sound to me like anybody's thinking too short term right now. It's not like Tony's going to fire himself for not generating revenue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and the reality is too, AEW will never look as big league or will have not looked as big league to this point as it will with all in. We're going to be talking nearly 80,000 fans at Wembley yeah. stadium there. And, the, and that's John, not, I don't mean to cut you off, but you're so right about that. That is, and that's kind of what I meant about this is just a great opportunity to showcase your without, and here's what I hope they don't do because really Tony and, and a lot of the talent has really backed off the trashing the, the competition, you know, burying WWE and, and, and throwing, throwing stones. This is an opportunity to put your best product out there and people will automatically compare it to WWE and I'm pretty sure I know the people that are, you know, Mike Mansuri is a good friend of mine. He's sitting in the truck directing that show. There's a lot of talented people there production-wise. I'm sure they're going to have a great-looking show in front of 80,000 people. That will do more than all of the Twitter chatter and media scrums that AEW has done in the last four years. That will do more to establish AEW as a viable brand and give it credibility with the audience. It's a viable brand. Tony's got all the money in the world. He's got a sounds like a long term relationship with a cable partner. Those are all great. Th those are great things. But you've got to convince the audience that 
you're just as good as the competition without throwing stones. You know what I mean? Without, without getting in the mud. I, I, that's why John, I think it's such a great opportunity. If all ends free, um, you know, I'll go out of my way to watch it for sure. This is a great conversation that we are having here on Strictly Business with Andrew Zarian, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm getting a little antsy because once this podcast ends, I am heading straight down to the beach, the Jersey Shore, Asbury Park. And I want to let you know something. It is time to unleash the beach beast within you. This summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving head first to your facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer. I know it has been for me, allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer, let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place. Visit manscaped.com and use our promo code WrestleBiz, that's W-R-E-S-T-L-E-B-I-Z, for 20% off and free shipping. It is time to tame your mane. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. First of all, this is a cordless trimmer that has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. This is something, guys, and I'm being very real with this, I have struggled with a lot. So working in TV news, I was not allowed to have facial hair. So when I left TV news, facial hair was still a relatively new thing for me. I was 28, 29 years old. It was the first time I'm able to actually have it. And finding the proper length of a blade took me like three or four months. Had I had the beard hedger, I could have figured it out in a matter of of minutes. And the best part about it is it's waterproof. So you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair that gets stuck in the sink and clogs things up. The titanium coated T blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. And we want to help you out here at Strictly Business. We got your hookups. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WrestleBiz. That's W R E S T L E. B-I-Z at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code WrestleBiz. Manscaped, one stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. Or at the very least, extremely affordable. It's got to be one of those two things. And, and Andrew, have you gotten a temper at all from the Warner side on what kind of anticipation they have for All In? Um, No, actually. And, and that's that that's that's a that's the strange part. I, I I mean, I was told that there's a possibility of a bundle between the two, but that's as far. I mean, that's that's the depth of the conversation I've had about that show. I guess I was curious. Do they recognize the enormity of the situation that comes with that show, as as Eric just alluded to from a perception standpoint, what it can do for that brand? And you don't seem to have a read on that. No, I, I haven't, I haven't, nothing, it, it's it's weird, actually. It's one of the few things that I haven't heard anything about, but obviously that has to be their perspective. You you have a huge opportunity uh, that one of your partners is putting on an 80,000 person event. It's not, it's not an easy task. It's very difficult to to pull off, whether or not it's in the UK or not. Uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier over there because it's the first time they're going there, but to fill an entire stadium up with that kind of, that that amount of people is is super impressive i mean you can't even think about it but they everybody knows it's very important it has to look good it can't just look like it's a whole bunch of people in a building you have to shoot it right at 
the creative behind it has to be good. The marketing behind it has to be good. The way you're shooting it has to be perfect. Uh, you, it's going to be compared to WrestleMania for good and bad, right? It's, it's always going to be compared to WrestleMania. And if this is going to be their WrestleMania every year, you have to hit this thing out of, uh, with a home run. And unfortunately, AEW doesn't have, you know, 35 years of, of evolution to get to that point. They have to do it tomorrow. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're second, that's, 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 the, that's the race that you're playing. But I, I think everybody realizes the importance of making this thing work. Uh, now it's just a matter of, okay, well, what are you going to do creatively to entice people to watch it? Uh, when there's a pay-per-view the following week, uh, it, that that part is, I have no idea at this point. I mean, we've all heard the matches that they may have or may not have, but uh, I, I, I think this has to really be presented as like, this is, this is the biggest thing we've ever done. This is huge. We're going to do it again next year, but this is the expectation. You can't just have nothing matches on this thing and just say, well, we got 80,000 people in the building anyway. Why, why put the effort in? So this show has been very enlightening thus far, very highbrow. You've, you've classed us up, um, Andrew, and, and very much appreciate it. But I want to get down into the muck a little bit. So in your conversations over a cocktail or over a steak at Ruth Chris, and you're talking to an ad salesperson from, from uh, Universal, NBC Universal, or perhaps you're having dinner the next night with an ad salesperson from Warner Discovery who's out there selling wrestling. Do you, do you ever hear them kind of get into the same conversations that wrestling fans get into online? Like, do you hear WWE ad salespeople for, for, for Peacock or for Universal start crapping all over AEW or vice versa? So, uh, no, not the people I talk to. Uh, I, I, you hang out with much classier people than I do, obviously. Then. No, he doesn't. Well, trust well, me. Well, well, no, I don't. I don't hang out with much classier people. Uh, I, I would say that I see the muck, right? Like I, I sometimes I, I see a Slack chat or I someone sends me a screenshot of something, and it's interesting. Like I see it like on the NBC side sometimes. I, I rarely see it on the Warner side because I, I don't get those sent to me. Uh, J John knows about my, my infamous TV 14 story from last year <laughs> that, that, that drove me into a, a, a psychotic rage when it happened. You should share that story for Eric. Uh, so it, I, I fractured my hip last summer. I fell on my ass and I, and I fractured my hip. It was a freak accident. And I was, I was working from home for like eight weeks and I'm sitting down, I'm tanning, I'm, I'm, I'm having a cocktail at 12 in the afternoon and I get a call from somebody on the NBC Universal side. He goes, I'm going to send you something, but it's, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. It's happening. And I look and it's a conversation between people within NBC saying on J J July, whatever, 17th or 20 something, WWE Raw will be going TV 14. And I remember this. I okay, remember this. assets are made. It's done. It's a done deal. Everybody. And they got very excited. And I'm reading the, the conversation and I'm like, should I post it? And I was like, you know what? It's a done deal. This is internal. This is, this is happening. <laughs> I put it out and I put the date, which I never would have. If it was any other scenario, I would have never put a date. I put the date 45 minutes later. That tweet went, it got like 80,000 likes. It was insane. It was something out of control. 45 minutes later, 
X-Nay on the TV 14. It's not <laughs> happening. It's not happening. Uh, they're freaking out on how this leaked and why people are talking about what's going to happen. Essentially what happened, there was conversations to ha- to go to TV 14. And it had to do less with blood and cursing. It had to do with the ability to maybe say something every now and then or maybe not bleep out the crowd every time there's a there's a whatever chant happening. And I guess the people at USA jumped the gun. <laughs> and they sent graphics to, you know, uh, Hulu for, for the next day on Raw. Hulu became all TV 14. And the pay-per-view became TV 14. And this went on for months of just people asking me what happened. And the answer is they jumped the gun. So I... I Somebody at WWE I had a drink with, and they're like, you know what? You were not wrong. Just USA, for whatever reason, thought that we were going to go through with it, and it was never finalized on our end, and they decided that they were going to do it. It was just a breakdown of communication. It ruined my whole summer. (laughs) That whole stupid TV 14 thing. Yeah, because you could have been recognized as a real newsbreaker with some very significant news, and instead it's like... Oh man, just another one of those guys. <laughs> well, then, yeah, and then you get the messages. You're a liar. You know, you're this. You're that. You know, you're, you're nothing you say is true. I'm like, we're all allowed to get something wrong. Well, and it's not that you got something wrong. I mean, this was information you got directly from the cow's mouth, right? Like USA provided you with these at the assets. Yeah, it just. I, I, a friend of ours, John. Uh, I was having dinner with him, and he's like, "Oh no, we were all laughing at you." We thought it was hysterical that you got this wrong because you got it right. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That's funny. You know, our it, mutual friend on the luckily, WWE side, a mutual friend of ours over there. But okay. luckily for me, you know, this isn't my main job. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't lose subscribers or anything like that. I heard you reported that Nitro was going to four hours at one point, too. Not just going five hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine just because I've been on the other side of situations like that. I could see, I know how that stuff happens. You know, the right hand isn't necessarily talking to the left hand yet. And I could see a bunch of people on, 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 on the NBCU side making this decision internally, knowing that they're going to have to pick up the phone and talk to Vince. Haven't really figured out how they're going to do that yet. If, if WWE wasn't on board, nobody really wanted to have to make that phone call. I can assure you that. Um, and then, the, then it all leaks out before they even have a conversation with Vince. Oh, that's a horrible situation. I could yeah. I get it. <laughs> I, I normally, I, I'm, I'm so careful with that stuff. I really am. And I talk to John about it. I go crazy. Like I'll sit on stuff. And because I don't, I don't like to do spoilers. I don't want to ruin endings and surprises. You know, like you allude, you do a podcast. You got to be entertaining a little bit. But uh, I, I hate doing that stuff. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it's the right moment. But uh, I hate being wrong. And luckily for me, I, 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 that's, that's a positive because I double check and I triple check and I, and I make sure I'm not, you know, speaking out of my ass when it comes to this stuff. Uh, it just, it, it's interesting how the, 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 the gang up begins when that happens, you know, I, I what do you ask- think the appetite is for additional non ring, not wrestling but additional content like the reality show is the appetite still good for it. Do you think? Yeah. 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 Big actually. Um, I, I know that they're working on a couple projects that are on, uh, I, I know one that is not on TNT or TBS that they're working on right now. Uh, they, 
a conversation I had about six months ago was, well, how, you know, one of the ideas that they have is integrating AEW talent across all their networks. You know, maybe there's some true TV integration that they could do or food network. I always said, you know, like Renee Paquette and RJ, RJ City should do a cooking show, right? Like they just have chemistry. Just, just, it's funny to me, you know, and, and they kind of see it too. Not necessarily they're going to do a cooking show, but to, to integrate that amongst, you know, your, your other channels, it's a positive if you're able to get some viewership from it. You know, it's niche programming. People follow. I don't know what the ratings on True TV are. I know Impractical Jokers does good. But if you could add another show that's maybe more uh, non-wrestling non based, maybe scripted, non-scripted, what does that mean to you? Can you get 300,000 people that watch or 400,000 on a second tier channel? You know, I, I think these are these are these are all conversations that they're having. I don't think they figured it out yet. I want to piggyback off that. You just talked about integrating different stars from your conversations. Does Warner Brothers Discovery have anyone that they have an eye on on the AEW television shows that they see as someone who can be a face of the brand type of thing? Because, Eric, you can add on after he answers, but I'm sure when you came in in 2019, there had to have been some conversations from the networks as we want this person featured, especially we want this person featured, especially. Have you seen that, Andrew, from the Warner Brothers Discovery end? I haven't. I know that they were very high on Cody to do everything. You know, uh, I think they saw the benefit of having him and how, how well-rounded he is as a, you know, as an entertainer in general. But I haven't heard any anything uh, specific beyond that, beyond Eric, the Cody did, stuff. Eric, did you find that a lot in your short stint there in 2019? Well, I saw, uh, you know, because I showed up in July of 19. When did we do the draft? That was like... It was the Fox premiere, I think was a draft episode. So during that period of time, and again, that was at the very beginning stages of the Fox USA relationship, meaning, you know, Fox had their show and USA had theirs. And of course there was a lot of, not with me directly. I didn't take those calls, but with Kevin Dunn and probably Vince himself uh, throughout the months leading up to that big draft and the draft split between the two networks, essentially. There was a lot of people that had a lot of opinions uh, and they were voicing them to the appropriate people. I, like I said, I didn't handle them, but uh, network execs to Kevin Dunn or Vince McMahon did. I just find that very interesting because I always wonder, Matt Hardy and I were talking about this on our podcast the other day, is there someone right now on the AEW roster that can become the person, the face of the net, the face of the network, the person who crosses over. And I was curious if they had identified anyone internally amongst Warner Brothers Discovery on that front. But of the current crop, Andrew, you haven't heard any names floated around for that. Nothing, nothing really. I know that uh, you know a while ago they were very impressed impressed by Jade. Uh, mm -hmm. So is so is WWE. You know, so is anybody that looks at her. She's very impressive when you look at her. Uh, I haven't heard anybody specifically um, that that they would want to that they're saying, OK, this person has to be the face or you, you should put more emphasis on this person. Uh, and, and that's part of, you know, that's AEW's growing pains also to figure that out because they're, they're three years in. And, you know, I love the wrestling. You know, I'm a wrestling fan. I, I could sit there and watch a Brian Danielson match for 45 minutes and be content with it. But I know that that's not what how most people consume TV. You know, it, it's it's. You got you got a couple seconds to grab my attention. How are you going to do that? I don't know if a grappling match is going to do that, especially, you know, with, with the way the media is going to short term, you know, short uh, 
well, I forgot the term that was used short by form me. Content. What, what did you say, John? Short form content. Short form content. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think they need to figure out the next step because we've seen how WWE has prospered over the last, you know, year or so with the bloodline storyline and now with the judgment day and it's all story. I was in the garden two weeks ago at that garden show, 40 minutes of the opening segment was talking, no wrestling. There was no match. And the live crowd at the garden ate it up. They were sitting there watching it like it was theater. They weren't, they weren't bored. And this is the garden. You know, the garden is a, is a rough crowd. They weren't bored. They were watching with their, with their mouths open, wanting to know what happens next. That's lightning in a bottle. You don't get to do that too often. And I think, you know, WWE right now, they have something really hot. I think AEW needs that story also. And when they figure that out, maybe then they create that, that top network guy that's, you know, front and center. But if you sit back and look at it, you know, and again, from a network exec's point of view, if you had to pick one person in AEW right now that you could potentially say, you know, this, this individual could cross, we're going to do a game show on TBS on Saturdays, whatever, whatever new project is coming down the pipe. What if we cast this talent from AEW into that role or a food show type of, but there's, it takes somebody who can, who has that talent just because you were a great performer in the ring doesn't necessarily mean that you could host a game show or a talk show or some other yeah. version of a live action event. It takes some diversity and talent, some layers. That's the hard part. You know, and if I had to sit back right now and pick one person, you know, and, and my life depended upon it, it would be MJF. Cause I think MJF can, yeah. could play a comedic character if he wanted to. I think he could, he could easily host a show. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there. I could see MJF because he has so much talent. I could see him plugging into a lot of different things. I, I, I can't say the same for anybody else on that AEW roster. Now, admittedly, I don't know the roster as well, but the way I see it, MJF would be a great candidate for that. Yo, hundred percent. I mean, he, he has such crossover appeal. Um, you know, he's a very unique act. You don't get to see, you don't, there aren't too many of him right now. Uh, it just, I, I, I just personally haven't heard it. You know, I, nobody said to me like, oh, we want MJF to do a, a variety hour for 40, 30 minutes. I'm curious if this baby face-ish run that he's doing right now leverages him into some opportunities because he really is showing what he's capable of doing right now. Uh, he loves his uncle Eric, as he says all the time, Eric Bischoff. <laughs> he loves his uncle Eric. Uh, last thing I've got for you, Andrew, I want to hit on NBC Universal here for a quick second because I know you said you have an existing relationship there. What is your read on where they stand ahead of these WWE TV rights? Do you see it continuing as business as usual? Do you see maybe NXT getting out of that agreement? Anything that you can add on that front? Um, I've had, it's funny because uh, the conversation kind of slowed down. I haven't heard anything other than uh, the NXT ratings they're, they're, they're very happy with. And, you know, the, the goal was to be in the 600s for that show. That I was always told that, like, if they're able to get like in the mid sixes out of the key, obviously they want they want higher demo numbers, right? But as far as an overall P two viewership, to be in the six hundreds, they were they were happy with it. But now they're doing great. Their demos that they're eighteen to, I think they they just put out a thing. They were gloating about a what is it, eighteen to twenty five or twenty five to something. They had a tremendous high demo. Uh, that has been NXT's growth has been great, but also seeing how Raw has recovered. You know, this is. 18 months ago, people were talking about how AEW may beat Raw overall for the overall P2 number. 
Uh, and now it, it's it's really, I mean, there are a million viewers off now for Monday Night Raw between the two brands. So it's not that AEW is doing so poorly. It's that AEW, you know, they 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 leveled out and WWE's in a boom period. So I think if there was any indicator on should we, re, you know, sign for another five years with this astronomical whatever deal, uh, I don't think WWE could ask for a better positioning than they have right now. Uh and also, you know, yeah, they're, they're, the answer never. not to cut you off, but I just read yeah. this. Yeah, it was Brandon Thurston who was on with us uh, last week. Actually, uh, I saw some of his reporting uh, in a graph that showed that both WWE, both Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, are considerably considerably above last year's performance. And there's not a lot of television that can say that right now. No, because television viewership is dropping. You know, and. Yeah. You know, even but one thing that I'm seeing, uh, which is interesting, that when they discuss television rating, and Eric, you you have such insight on this too. Um, have you noticed that the conversation is shifting a- away from live viewership, and it's now going to, you know, like DVR plus three matters more. DVR plus seven is mattering more when it comes to like Game of Thrones for HBO. Uh, you know, uh, their right, Blood of the Dragon. What was it? What's the new one called, John? Uh, House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. There you go. Blood of the Dragon. I watched the whole series. I should know. <laughs> uh, the number that they were talking, like 18 million people watched this episode. Not not live, not DVR plus three. You're talking over a week. And those numbers mean a lot. So I think we're starting to see a little bit of a shift. I think they're calculating viewership for linear TV a little bit differently and taking that digital model because it well, looks a whole lot better. And, and AEW and Warner actually was that put out that press release this past week about blood and guts. That said two and a half million people yeah. watched it. And everyone was like, everyone was like, what? But I think it's when you're factoring in the DVR and all those other ways of consuming yeah. it. That's what they were. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a flag on that one. I'm going to, I'm not going to call, I'm not going to call bullshit yet, but I'm reaching, I'm pulling out my, 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 my yellow flag, but I'm reaching for my bullshit flag on that one. I just don't believe that the plus three numbers and the DVR numbers all add up to a million. I think a lot of those press releases are just, it's a sales effort. They're, they're, they're working off the perception is the reality world in the world of advertising. Because I think what they're trying to do is convince advertisers that there was 2.5 million people. I'd love to see the backup for that. That's something I'd love to talk to Brandon Thurston about or, or discuss with him because I'm, I ain't buying that bullshit. Well, I mean, listen, I, I did ad sales for a long time. I would love to, I would love to show two and a half million to you instead of 950,000 if I can, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you can. <laughs> yeah. It's easy Eric, to do in a press release because nobody's asking for backup. <laughs> do you have anything else you'd like to throw at uh, Andrew here, Eric? No, I'm good, man. This is a fascinating conversation. Now I know Andrew. I'm going to see you tomorrow in Queens, right? Or Long yeah, Island. you're in uh, you're in Bayside. You're in my home hometown in Queens. Uh, I'm going to stop by. You're at the Wrestling Universe, which uh, that store. I I've in my in my from the age of 14 to now. Uh, I've been there a billion times. I've gone by my kids' stuff all the time. But uh, the guys owned it for like 30, 20 something years. A lot of great wrestlers. I've gotten yelled at by by Taz twice there. I've gotten. Yelled, <laughs> I I mean it, it, it's it, the Dudleys have yelled at me there. So like you know I was a fourteen year old kid going to these autograph signings. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stop by with uh you know and say hello tomorrow. Can you yell at him what? please, Eric? Just to keep that going. Yeah yeah, yeah Eric, you need to yell at me. 
I'd say, can you please yell at him tomorrow just to keep that going? Yeah. Please? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll cut. I'll cut a hell of a promo. <laughs> no, I'll come by and I'll say hello. I'll 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 give Jack the uh, the owner a call and say, hey, listen, Eric, okay, this. I'm just gonna come say hello. I just did a show with him. All right. No, but you should <laughs> bring your book. Out. That's your wife. I will bring you. my bring book. book. I'd love is. to sign that for you. Yeah. Love it. And so, Andrew, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Mattman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Zarian, Mattman Podcast on Twitter. We've been doing it for 12 years. It's it's a lot of fun. I do we're live pal with Garrett Gonzalez. Also, uh, I, it just uh, this has been a fun ride, man. I, I absolutely love talking wrestling. And if I could give some sort of positive insight without yelling and screaming and talking about how everything sucks, uh, then I added something to this. You know, <laughs> well, you, you definitely class to join up, man. I appreciate yes. it very much. Thanks, Absolutely. Eric. Appreciate it. Andrew, Thanks, John. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. And if you want to join us here on our Strictly Business team, head on over to advertisewithericcom and make sure that you get your product or your business out in front of thousands and thousands of listeners every single week. You can find Strictly Business at 83weeks.com and, of course, at adfreeshows.com. We've got you hooked up there. It's always great content coming to you from Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson, and myself. This has been Strictly Business. We will see you next time. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.